Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Awesome. We are so glad that you are in the house today. Uh, My name is Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors, and we're so thankful that you chose to be at church today. Can we give it up like crazy for all of our first-time guests? Come on. Let's welcome our family. Love it, love it. As always, I want to take a moment just to look directly into the camera. I want to welcome our online family in. No matter where you're watching from, who you're watching with, I want to thank you so much for making Vibrant part of your Sunday. Thank you. Let's welcome our online family in. Love it. A few things that I want to tell you about before we jump into the message. Number one, we are right in the middle of 21 days of prayer. Are y'all enjoying the the devotional that was written by our team? Y'all enjoying that? 21 days of prayer has been so great. So... We just finished week one. I'm going to encourage you to go strong into week two. If you didn't get a devotional, all of our paper copies, the hard copies are, are out. Uh, but we do have a QR code in the lobby for you to scan. You can get the digital version. So make sure to get that jump in with us. And then also Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. We have a special time of worship and prayer uh, just for 21 days of prayer. And I want to encourage you, like make the effort. Be here. Bring your kids. Uh, we're going to teach our kids how to pray. Amen. I want our kids to be praying kids. And so uh, come on, 21 Days of Prayer, it's going to be great. Um, Next Sunday, we have something very, very fun for you, Um, something that we've been looking forward to for months. There's a great uh, man that I know from Seattle uh, that we're actually going to be bringing him in. His name is Brandon Stewart, an awesome, awesome guy. He leads a worldwide leadership uh, organization called Leading Second. And uh, he's going to be coming in, encouraging our team, uh, leading around our campus. But we also have the honor that he's going to be preaching here this uh, next Sunday, next Sunday. Very excited about that. Pastor Brandon Stewart from uh, Seattle, Washington. It's going to be amazing. Uh, It'll be an opportunity for you to bring your friends and uh, let's do that. So it'll be a great opportunity there. Um, And then uh, finally, that being said, I want to encourage you with this 21 days of prayer and next Sunday diving in. We'll have Pastor Brandon next Sunday, but also uh, life groups begin next Sunday. Life group signups begin next Sunday. I want to encourage you. Uh, life groups are not what we do, it's who we are, right? It's who we are. We are built off of community. Our church is built off of community. If you're not doing life with our people, other people, you need to do that. So I'm gonna encourage you, it will, it we'll have tons of life groups we will introduce to you next, uh, next Sunday. Sign up, be a part of life groups. This is how you get connected with people, okay? Uh, anybody that comes to me and say, hey man, I, I love Vibrant Church, but I wanna get connected. Well, have you joined a life group? That's the first step, always. Join a life group, get connected. And then also, if you call Vibrant Home and you've been through Next and you want to lead a life group, maybe there's a certain topic or a certain thing that you want to gather people around. If you're building friendships and building people's faith, you can lead a life group, okay? Uh, For instance, I led a life group in the summer called Birdies and Bibles, all right? We play golf 
and we do a Bible study through the, you know, through that that time. And in a, I think it was nine weeks total we played and we had a great time. And uh, and so I want to encourage you: be a part of a life group and lead a life group. Everybody say, "I'm in." Amen. Uh, that being said, we're going to dive into our message today. Last week, we started a brand new series called Unashamed. Uh, last week, kind of the synopsis of that is that I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Amen. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. And prayer is our first response. Always in life, prayer should be our first response. Not worry, uh, you know, not stress, not figuring it out, not work. It should be prayer, should be our first response always. Prayer is the first response of a revival church, amen? Prayer is the first response of a revival church. And at church, I gotta tell you, we are a revival church. We will have a revival or we will have a funeral. That's just the way it is because we are not here to play games. We're here to, uh, to have revival in Jesus' name, amen? And so that being said, we're going to jump in today to a story that's just a few chapters away from where we were last week. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. So we're going to hit the rewind button. We're going to go back about three chapters. We're going to be talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And uh, anybody heard that story before? You love that story? Amen. The three amigos and the, the fuego furnace, right? That's uh, one, one little girl said it this way. She said, Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. I don't think that was the way it was supposed to go, but uh, we'll, let it, we'll let it slide. If you did not grow up in church, this is one that you're going to love to hear about. I feel like uh, the Lord has given me some wisdom from this story for you to grow in. And those of you that grew up in Sunday school, you know the story. It's a classic. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 all day. Let me give you a little history or context of what's going on. Because when we study the Bible, it's very important that we study it through context, right? And we study it through the context of what's going on. Um, God's people, the Israelite people, the Jewish people, they are in captivity. And they are in the Babylonian empire. And, and while they're there, as they're there, we see these three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They have a moment where they have an opportunity to stand up to be unashamed for the God that they worship, okay? And I, I, what I want to do is kind of compare this with some of the tensions and, uh, that you and I face in real life today and, and, real, and just make it as practical as I can. And so let's dive in. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, I, and just to shorten that up a little bit, uh, I'm going to call him King Neb. If that's okay, we're going to give him a good old redneck name. Is that all right? Uh, we're just going to call him King Neb today. So I uh, made an image of gold 60 cubits high and uh, 6 cubits wide. Set it up on a plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates. How many people does this dude need? Right? All the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, uh, and all the other provincial officials assembled at the dedication of the image that King Neb had set up. And they stood before it. Then the, the herald pro loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. He brought all of his important people. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the, the, the lyre, the harp, the pipe. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book there for a little bit, right? It's right in the middle. And all of the sounds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Neb has set up. Whoever does not fall down 
and worship will immediately be thrown into the fiery furnace. Flaming, blazing furnace. So you got to understand this king, King Neb, had absolute authority. He was an absolute monarch in that time. And, and he had absolute power over everything and everybody. That was why he could call all of those powerful people and say, I need you to come right now. Come here. And they would come. And so I would just say this. There is something bad about one person who has absolute power in any uh, form of life. Um, uh, their humanity destroys themselves, right? Their humanity because we were not meant for that. Um, but he had the ability to, according to this text, he had the ability to destroy the people with an army that could cut you down. I mean, he could bulldoze your house and make it nothing but a pile of rubble just because he wanted to. Uh, he, he apparently had a furnace that he could throw you in and it would, you know, to kill people in. I mean, that, uh, this, to understand how powerful this guy was, uh, you've got to understand that these guys are defying somebody that, that had ultimate authority in the, Bab in the Babylonian land, okay? Had ultimate authority in this land according to what these people had submitted to him. And so uh, this guy had major, major power in this text. We see that it lists all of the people, the magistrates, the prefects, all of these people, it's listing them over and over again because it wants to show you, this text wants to illustrate how powerful this man was. That King Neb could instantly call people when they would be at his beck and call. It was a big deal that anybody would cross his power, that anybody would cross what he would say. It was a big deal for anybody to cross him. Well, then it leads us to verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Neb, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the, the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music and, and worship uh, must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. That there are some Jews who have, you have set out the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They had to remind him of the entire decree that he had set. But then he was telling, hey, look, these three guys are not paying attention. They're not bowing. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Guys, if there was ever peer pressure, this was the moment that there was peer pressure. Not only did you have King Neb, who was there, but you had all of the powerful people of Babylon. All were gathered around. And they call Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out. And they're like, these Jews, but Lord, these people. Y'all said that before? But Lord, these people. <laughs> they said, well, this, this king will live forever. Yeah, I want you to, hey, these Jews are not bowing down. If there was ever peer pressure in the midst of this, if they didn't bow, they were going to be thrown into a furnace. In the midst of this, they say, these three Hebrew boys, they say, well, we're going to stand up. It's unthinkable that they would stand up and say, we are not going to bow. We're not going to do this. We are going to stand for what we believe in. And it's interesting in verse 8 that they came, people came to the king and reported it because they were not bowing. They stood as everybody else was bowing, they stood. Everybody else noticed it. 
the prefects, the satraps, the governors, the judges, they noticed it. Church, can I tell you that when you have in moments of tension in your life, when you stand for the kingdom of God, people around you notice it. When you stand for the kingdom of God, people notice it. We saw it in Daniel's story last week when he would pray, when, when, the, 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 when the decree was signed, when he couldn't pray, people noticed it. When you stand unashamed for the kingdom of God in your life, when it's uncomfortable, people notice it. How many know it's really easy to serve God on a Sunday? Right, it's, it's really easy. It's like everything lines up. I come to church with my Christian music on, right? I got Caleb rocking. I'm coming to church. But on a Thursday when I got cussed out because it was a really bad day at work and I made a mistake and somebody cussed me out, it's not as easy to praise the Lord and be, there's this tension in life, right? There's this tension. It creates a tension. But here's what I do know is that when we stand tall, it makes a difference in people around us. I've seen this happen in my own life. I haven't told this in a while. Uh, so if you're new here, you probably haven't heard this. But um, I, So when I was in high school many, 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 many moons ago, um, don't laugh at that, I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> I, so I was not a picture of somebody that you would consider an unashamed Christian. I just gotta be honest with you. Can I be transparent today? Um, I was not somebody uh, that, like I was the guy that I would go to church I was there every Sunday. I was there every Wednesday. I went to church back in the day where they had six-month-long revivals. And what that meant was not like six-month-long revivals on Sundays. It was like every night there was revival. And we were there every night for six months. You think you're busy now. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we're nothing now, right? Uh, but, uh, and I promise not to do a six-month, uh, you know, every night revival. That's not in the plans. Appreciate it. Uh, but, so for me, I was not that guy in high school that, you would be like, man, I need prayer. I'm gonna call Michael. That was not me, guys. I was not that guy. In fact, uh, many people that I grew up with didn't even know I was a Christian uh, because I didn't act like it. Didn't, I didn't act like it. And I, when I graduated high school, I had a full ride scholarship to LSU for music. Uh, I am, I'm a musician, singer, and I just enjoy that. And uh, I had every plan in 2003 to go to LSU and, and be a music educator and, and get that and a, do that and be, get a performance degree. That was my plan. And in a, a youth camp setting, my last youth camp graduating high school, the Lord spoke to me and said, nah, that's not it. And I was like, are you sure, God? He's like, yep, pretty sure. I was like, okay, God, I don't know how I feel about this because I'm not exactly that kind of guy. The Lord began to call me away from what I was supposed to do or the, the, what the, the world thought I was supposed to do, go to, this, go to LSU and, and be a music educator, which there was nothing wrong with that. But the Lord began to speak to me and say, hey, you're supposed to be in ministry. Well, I started leaning into wisdom of those around me. Long story short, I gave up my scholarship to LSU. At that time, it was about a $90,000 scholarship. Gave that up to pay to go to Bible college and then to seminary. And so, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of my journey. Well, be, Carmen and I began, you know, we met and got married and began to serve in ministry. And I graduated in 2003. 2013 comes along. Our 10-year reunion comes. And, of course, I'm going to bring my wife. This is pre-kids. We're going and we're just hanging out. And, and I go and, you know, my life was much different in 2013 than what it was in 20, 2003, Right? much different. My life, my values were different. Values, my, the, the way I lived my life was completely different. And so I, I went back to this, this reunion and we're hanging out with everybody and we're connecting. Well, they closed the reunion out with this banquet and they're giving out awards and I thoroughly expected to just go and, you know, I'm just going to high five people, love on people and then go. And um, they, at the, the last award that they offered of the night was the, the most changed. 
and I actually received the most changed award in my high school class. And, and it may not be a, mean a lot to you guys, but guys, to me, I was a worldly heathen in high school. And so for them, for my, yeah, amen, it's okay. But for my, my classmates around me to recognize there's something that has changed inside of you. Guys, to the point where guys I played basketball with were calling me saying, dude, my marriage is falling apart. I need your help. I need you to pray for me. I need you to help me. Can you give my family marriage counseling? I was like, well, we, I live in a different state, but yes, we can do that. I, like, I, can, can you help me? Can you encourage me? Can you, I help people. Guys, the, the, the people that I was living life with before noticed the change inside of me that I began to stand up unashamed for what the Lord wanted to do. And this is not about me, but it's about when you stand up inside and you go, I'm willing to stand unashamed for what God wants to do in my life. The people around you will notice. The people that don't serve the Lord around you will notice. They will see a strength inside of you that you didn't have before. They'll start to say, I see a wisdom inside of them. There's something different about them. Yeah, there's something different. The Spirit of the Lord is working inside of you. And when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom that runs off your shoulders and it can't help but impact somebody. When you stand unashamed, people notice around you. The question is, when there's tension in our lives, will we stand or will we bow? Are we going to stand or are we going to bow? That's the question. Verse 13, furious with rage, King Neb summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, these, these men were brought before the king, and, and Neb said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I set up. Now when you hear the, the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all these kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. He gives them one more chance. He says, all right, if you're willing to bow, I'll give you one more shot. Ultimate tension. Not only is all the prefects and satraps and governors, now King Neb is there and there's this pressure. They have to make this choice. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then check out what he does here. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? He mocks God. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They spoke it with honor. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. In this moment of tension in your faith life, just like these guys, you will be put in situations where tensions, where tensions will rise. Tensions will rise in your world. There, Nebuchadnezzar is literally opening, opening, openly mocking God. You will be put in situations in your life that you will have to choose, will I stand or will I bow? Am I going to stand today or am I, or am I going to I, I, There is no middle ground here. There is no gray area. There is no solution where everybody is happy-go-lucky and everybody gets along. It's either I bow and I neglect the God of my salvation or I stand and I willing, I'm willingly stepping into the fiery furnace. That's the choice. 
The question is, what will you do in the tension? There are three things that I found that these Hebrew boys did in the tension that I want to point out to you and give you some, uh, uh, hopefully some practical truth to go alongside of it. Uh, Number one, they said, we do not need to defend ourselves. That's just a, that's a strong move, Cotton. Let me just tell you, that's a strong move. I, I know that we started out reading in Daniel 3, and we could take that at face value, and we could say, they say, I do not need to defend myself. Man, that's awesome. But unless you get the context of it, you, you won't understand uh, what it means fully. And we're going to go back to Daniel 1. In Daniel chapter 1, we discover that these three Hebrew boys that are called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in chapter 3, when they were taken into captivity, essentially they were made one with the pagans, with the land of the pagans. They were renamed. Did you know that? They were renamed. You probably have always known them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because that's the, the names that, uh, that were listed. But that name was actually given to them by the Babylonian Empire. That was not their original God-given names. Their real names were Hananiah, which means Yahweh has been gracious. It's Mitchell, which means who is like God. Azariah, which means Yahweh has helped. But see, when they were brought into slavery, the first thing the enemy wanted to do was change their name. The first thing that the, that the, the pagan culture wanted to do was re-identify them. Why is that? Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were all names that were associated with Nebo, the god of vegetation. Here's why this is important. I know right now you're thinking, what is this a hill of beans to me? Let me explain it to you. The enemy wanted to rename them so that they would identify with the kingdom of that world. They would identify with the kingdom of the pagan world. There is power in a name. That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus. So that they could, now, now they wanted to change their name so it would change their identity. So when they walk in, it takes the authority that they were walking in. There's authority in a name. When you pray, you pray in the name of Jesus, Right? There is authority in the name that you pray in. These guys had names that, were, that had authority attached to them. Who is like my God? Yahweh has provided. Yahweh has been good. There's authority that went with that. So what happened is when King Nebuchadnezzar and the, the pagan, uh, the, the Babylonian empire came in, they renamed them. They took their identity away, or they, at least they attempted to. So when King, they were saying to King Neb, we do not need to defend ourselves. What they were saying is that the authority in our real names associated with Yahweh gives us authority that I don't have to fight this battle. My God is fighting the battle because my identity is Him in Him, not the identity the world gives me. The the church, let me just tell you, your spiritual enemy, the devil, more than anything, wants to get you sidetracked from God's vision for your life. That vision for God that, that, that of God that he has for you is that you would be victorious, living on purpose, in purpose, and helping other people do the same. But the trick of the enemy is that he would have you identify yourself differently than God would. If he can have you identify yourself differently than the Lord would, he can begin to get your mind off of your purpose. Oh, you begin to think, oh, I'm not good enough. There's no way I can be good enough. I was, man, I, I, you, don't, you don't know my past, Pastor Michael. I can't have a purpose. Let me just tell you, somebody has got a past. 
if I identified myself in my past, let me just tell you, I would, I would operate in weakness. But my past can't stand when his grace is standing. My past is not strong enough to fight the battle when his grace is fighting for me. You've got to recognize where the world will try to put you down and say, hey, look, you, you're addicted. You're an addict. You're always going to be that way. Your parents were that way. You know, your mom and dad were that way. So you're just, it's generational curses. That's what they say it is. Yeah, it's generational curses. You're just going to always do it. You just have to suppress it. You got to figure it out. Church, let me just tell you, you can identify with that and it'll affect the future. Because the voice you listen to will determine the future you experience. You can listen to that voice saying, I'm addicted, I'm, I'm broken. Or you can go back over here and say, Jesus paid the price for all generational curses. And because his name and because of his blood and because of his victory, those have no hold on me anymore. I don't have to be what my dad was. I don't have to be what my mom was. I don't have to have the marriage that they had. I don't have to be an addict anymore. I don't have to do all of that because the name of Jesus frees me and I identify with the grace of Jesus. My identity gives me victory today. Your identity. Church, let me just tell you, some of you have been walking around with an identity of hurt, of bitterness inside of you. Even some of you from church people. And I just gotta tell you, I say this often, church hurt is the worst hurt. It is. But I think the first thing you've got to recognize is that Jesus wasn't the one that hurt you. And if you operate out of the identity of, of your wound, you'll always be wounded. If you operate out of the identity of your hurt, you'll always be hurt because hurt people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. I'm gonna lash back out because I'm mad. I'm gonna cut them off because they cut me off. Some of y'all in 45, I saw y'all this morning. But if you operate out of that wound, you'll always be wounded. But if you recognize that the healer can change that wound, that Jesus wasn't the one that hurt you, a fallible man or woman hurt you. And you've got to recognize, you've got to lean into Jesus and say, Lord, I, I, church, I've had to do this. Lord, I pray that you would give me the wisdom to forgive them because of how much you've forgiven me for. And then I recognize and I go back to his word where it says 70 times seven. And then I count it up and I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. The enemy wants to, if he wants to identify you so you'll, this way so you'll fight with your own strength. But if you'll identify with what the Lord is saying about you, the Lord is fighting your battles. Stop trying to take on with the strength of your own might. You won't win. I gotta move on. The second thing that they said, they said, the God we serve is able. Can somebody say he is able? Come on, y'all sound like a choir. Y'all remember them old choir songs? Remember that? Let's talk context again. The Babylonian Empire takes over and, and all of God's people are now in captivity. All of God's people. They are not free. They are looked down on socially. They are not, um, they are not free. And so the three Hebrew boys, they were in the middle of a pagan land 
But the thing you've got to understand here is that they were saying God is able, but they were living in a land where they were not seeing the miracles of God. They were living in a land where they were not seeing God worshiped. They were not seeing God honored. They were only seeing idol worship, sexual immorality, atrocities all around them. For them to say the God we serve is able, it required an immense amount of faith. Why? Because they were declaring what they had not seen. They were declaring around them what there was no evidence of. That is literally the, that is the essence of faith. They were declaring what they were not seeing around them. And church, let me just tell you, that kind of faith moves the heart of God. It moves the heart of God. John 20 and 29, Jesus is talking to Thomas here. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Church, let me ask you today, do you have the kind of unashamed faith to begin to declare it, even though you're not seeing God move around you right now? You might not be seeing him move in your situation, but are you able to declare, my God is able? Can you say, my God is able? It's not cheap blabbing and grabbing situation, but when you are unashamed of of his name and you lean into his heart, it gives you authority to speak things not as they currently are, but as they will be after he works. After he shows up, anybody know he changes some situations? Anybody know he changes some things today? But it gives you that, that, that ability to say, my God is able, even though I don't see him working right now. Oh, Pastor Michael, the economy is crazy. They say the inflation is 8%, but I'm seeing like 80%, you know. In my household, I got three kids, and they're all eating like crazy. They're all boys. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> all right. You see inflation all around you like, Pastor Michael, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do. Here's what you do. You stand up unashamed and say, God, I'm going to be faithful with the resources you gave me. I'm going to identify that with your word that says he'll always provide. He'll always be faithful. And when you stay faithful to him, you stay faithful with the resources. He opens up the windows of heaven. Amen. <laughs> What happens is you lean into him and you say, God, I know that you are able. It doesn't look like, man, the economy looks bad. All these things look bad around me, but I know that you are able to provide. I know you are able to do it. So I'm going to lean into that and I'm gonna act upon my faith. For some of you, it's a, it's a health situation. You might be struggling right now. You've got a, a disease or you've got cancer. You've got migraines, other things going on. Let me just encourage you. Be unashamed of the God that you serve. You might not see God working right now. You may not feel like God is healing you, but I just wanna encourage you, have the faith that is strong enough to say, my God is able. I may not see myself on the other side yet, but I'm gonna stand strong enough to say, my God is able to heal me. My God is able to heal my body. My God is able to heal my mind. My God is able to heal my relationships. For some of you, it's that you're feeling lonely and you can't find connection around you. For some of you, you need to get back to being unashamed about God's plan for your life when it comes to connection. Because earlier I was talking about life groups and some of y'all, as soon as I said life groups, you shut off and you're like, boop, I'm done. Well, Pastor Michael, you don't understand. I'm an introvert. We don't do that. Let me just say, I don't care what kind of vert you are, <laughs> Right? God's plan for your life is that you need other people. Yes. 
if you are going to be if you are going to be strong in faith, mighty in faith, yes, you need a prayer closet, but you, you also need a living room full of people. Let me just tell you, life groups are not just something that we do. It is who we are. It is vital. It is in the blood of our church. And I know y'all think I might stop talking about it, but I ain't never going to stop talking about it. Is that okay? That's just what we do. It's, what, it, it, it's just who we are. Number three. I got to move on. The third thing they said was super impactful to me. And it's not the one that all the preachers love to preach, okay? Can I preach on unpopular truth? Is that all right today? They said this, even if he doesn't. This is not the one that everybody's going to be hanging from the chandeliers. Everybody's like, woo, preach, preacher. Even if he doesn't kind of faith. These boys knew the ramification that if they stood up when the music played, they didn't bow to the idol. If they stood unashamed, it was going to be their bodies going into the furnace, into the fire. But in a moment of tension, they stood there not worrying about their own agenda, declared that God was able, that they didn't have to fight their own battles. They identified with what the Lord said about them. But they also had trust enough in God to say that even if he chooses not to, I will trust. Verse 18, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty says it with honor, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he doesn't. They said, we know that God can perform the miraculous. We've seen, we know, we, we know that God can do powerful and we, things and we believe that he can. So we are not bowing to you. But even if he does not save me in this situation, we are still not bowing to you. It's an even if he doesn't kind of faith. Do you have an unashamed even if he doesn't kind of faith in you? That is a difficult kind of faith. Let me explain it this way. Imagine four chairs on the stage. One, two, three, four. They're levels of faith. The Bible talks about going from glory to glory. And what that means is we're, we're growing in faith and all of us should be making next steps. We are a church of next steps. Nobody ever gets there until we get to heaven and we all gonna be there with Jesus, amen? And so that, everybody's making next steps. But I want you to imagine for a moment these four chairs uh, set up like this. A baby Christian, a child Christian, a, a, kind of an adolescent Christian and then mature Christian. Well, the, if you look at it, it's, it's these stages of life. And I think it's very interesting how they correlate with real stages of life, right? Like the baby, the baby, a baby's all sweet, right? It's awesome. But once things get difficult for a baby, they are out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want milk. Feed me! You know what I'm saying? I got my diaper changed. Change me! Right, right now, Right? They start crying, it is over. Like Carmen, uh, we, have, we have a 10-month-old at home, 11-month-old now, and, and she was trying to get a booger out of his nose this week and it made him uncomfortable 30 seconds and he was mad about it for 30 minutes. He's gonna let us know about it the entire time. I was like, bro, you can, you can stop. Like, chill out, right? It's funny how it correlates with faith. The baby Christian. Well, I'm, Jesus, I'm gonna put my faith in you. But if I'm uncomfortable, I'm out. I, my, my, I mean, I need the comfort. I need everything to be right. I need, 
Man, I need everything to line up perfectly in my life. I need to come to church and I need the AC on strong. Come on now. Y'all better set it on good. Some of us are more worried about air conditioning than we are prayer conditioning. Right? This baby Christian, it's, it's, it's very weak, very, fe- very feeble that if things come against you in your life, it's very easy for you to jump off. Then we kind of jo- we go to this, this child, uh, childlike Christian where, you know, the great thing, I've got a seven-year-old at home as well. And the great thing about them is they can start to do things on their own. Like I'm, I praise God that my seven-year-old can wipe his own butt. Amen. Amen. And those of you that have kids that are younger than that, it does get better. I promise. It gets better. And so, uh, but there are still some things that he needs help with. He needs development with. He needs, he needs me to come alongside and help with, right? He needs, he, needs, he needs other people. He needs teachers. He needs all these people. Because as much as I love my seven-year-old and he loves 18-wheelers, y'all don't want him driving an 18-wheeler. <laughs> Praise God, right? We'd have a whole different issue. When things come against my, my seven-year-old emotionally, sometimes he doesn't know how to handle it. He doesn't, emotionally doesn't know how to work it, right? It's the same thing happens to us spiritually. Well, we've grown up from baby Christendom now into childlike Christendom, but still some life events will happen to you and it'll knock you off. It'll knock you off, right? Well, then the young adult Christian would answer and say, well, okay, God, I'm gonna put my faith in you and, and I believe that you can do it. I believe you're going to save us, but I want you to save, save us my way, right? God, when, when, when I'm going to stand for you, when everybody else bows, but I want you to like melt that statue right there in front of me and like do it my way because my way's better. The question I have for you are, are, is you, are, are you praying or are you offering God advice? Right? Because sometimes he's going to do his things his way. We want his will, but our way, Right? It's a little tougher to pray, God, I want your will and your way because it might not look my way. It might require me to do some tough things, right? And so what happens is we get in this adolescent, this, this, this adolescent chair and we go, God, I believe. I mean, I've got great faith. I've seen you work miracles, but I want you to do it my way. But it's the mature believer that says, God, I'm believing for a miracle. I've seen you work miracles. I'm okay if you do it your way, but even if you don't, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay right here in this chair, and I'm gonna trust you. Even if you, even if you don't work in my situation, I'm 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 gonna stay right here. Well, Pastor Michael, how can you say that? How can you do that? Here's here's why. The mature believer says that their loyalty to God is not based on an outcome. It's based on any outcome. On any outcome, it doesn't matter what's thrown my way. I'm gonna stay trusting in God. I'm gonna stay my, my, that is spiritual maturity. It's not based on the circumstances of my life. My faith is bigger than that. My faith is greater than that. My unashamed faith is better than that. My unashamed faith will say, anything you choose, God, I trust you. I don't, I don't care what it is. Church, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna tell you today, don't put conditions on your trust. I, I would challenge you to pray prayers like this. God, wherever you're taking me, I'm along for the journey. Whatever you have for my life, I'm in. You saved my soul, and that is enough. Well, Pastor Michael, what if I lose my job? We love whatabouts, right? We love what ifs. What about when I lose my job? Calm down. First of all, calm down. You're not on this earth to have a job, right? You're on this this earth to fulfill a, a, a purpose. Mature faith says, 
God, I lost my job. My assignment here must be done. I know that you're about to open up a door for something even better. Amen. I've seen that happen for way too many people in this house, sitting right here in this room. I lost my job, Pastor Michael. I don't know how I'm going to do it. How am I going to provide for my family? How are you going to make it? Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, he's going to provide. And he provided even a better job. If you let God provide him, prove himself faithful to provide for you, he will ultimately reward you in that faith. I'm just saying, if you unashamedly stand up for him, I have never stood up unashamedly in a situation and regretted it. Regretted it. Verse 19, then King Neb was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think it's very interesting that every time they reference these boys, they reference the name that the Babylonian culture gave them. Trying to push that identity on them. And this attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Why you got to do that, Neb? Right? He commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound, throwing into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Let me tell you something unpopular. I wish that I could tell you today as your pastor that if you stood up unashamed for the gospel and man, in the moments of tension and if you lived an unashamed life, that your life was gonna be perfect. Like life was gonna be amazing. Your marriage was gonna be awesome. Sex life would always be great in your marriage. Like you're, you're never gonna have any health crises. You're never gonna have any financial issues. Life is gonna be amazing. That would be like the best self-help talk you could ever have, right? They would just rename the TED Talk the Michael Talk, right? God, that, but that's not the truth. The truth is Christian living was not about safe living. Jesus didn't live a safe life. Too many Christians think that a strong faith equals an easy life, and that is just not the case. But the challenge for us is to trust God at all times, meaning trust God when we get thrown into the furnace in life. Trust God when you get thrown into the trouble in your life because in the test, you'll discover a testimony. In your mess, you'll get a message. In your problem, you'll discover a promise. And in your fire, you will discover a father that will never, ever, ever leave you. Ever. They get thrown in this fire. It looked bad, but it was a setup. Verse 24, King Neb leaps to his feet in amazement and asks his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They said, certainly, your majesty. All of a sudden, King Neb forgot how to count. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. King Neb then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. Servants of the Most High God, 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the royal advisors crowded around to see them. You know that tension that you feel that feels super stressful in your life? That thing that you feel is tearing you apart and it's this moment of whether you're gonna be unashamed or you're gonna sit down, you're gonna bow, you're gonna stand. God doesn't feel that tension. God doesn't feel that stress. God doesn't feel that anxiety. They saw that the fire had not harmed their body, nor was the hair of their head singed, and their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Look, I see four men, I see a fourth man, and he's like the son of a God. Let me just tell you today, You can stand unashamed and live boldly because Jesus is always walking with you. He's not just by you. He's not just around you. He's not just in the vicinity, but he is walking with you. Some of you today are in the fire and you're wondering how you're gonna survive. Let me just prophesy over somebody today. Some of you are going to look back in two years, in three years, in four years from now, and you're not even going to recognize the life that you currently have because not only is God going to see you through the fire, but when you get out, you won't even smell like the fire. You won't smell like the trouble you had before. You won't have the same stress that you had before. You won't have the same financial troubles, relational issues, career questions, chaos all around going to take a deep breath and you're going to go smells like victory why don't you stand all around this room verse 28 this is my favorite part my favorite part of this entire story not only did God save them from the fire which he still does today verse 28 then Nebuchadnezzar said Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the pagan world sees the miracle that God does in your life, it's gonna make them worship. It's gonna change their faith. It's gonna change their world. It will always influence. Rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except for their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. Check this out for this statement. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know, church, there's promotion on the other side of trusting God for his provision. When you trust him at your lowest point, will you trust him in your lowest point and allow him to work a miracle? You'll end up on a mountaintop that you didn't even think was possible. How did we get here? Trust me, I'm living it. You're talking about a man that moved to a city where I knew like three people and the Lord called me to build a church. Plant a church, excuse me? How are we gonna do that? Step by step, I'm gonna have faith in God. I'm gonna have faith in God. I'm gonna have faith in God. 
And I'm just going to tell you, I'm not on a mountaintop because I'm believing God's going to do even better things than what we're seeing right now. Some of you today are in this room, and if you were honest with me, if we were sitting down at Torchy's Tacos, because that's where we go for everything. Our source is Jesus and Torchies, amen. If we were sitting down eating lunch and I asked you, I said, 21 days of prayer, what are you praying for? Many of you in here would be saying, I'm praying for a miracle. Whether it's physical, financial, spiritual, emotional. Every eye closed, every head bowed across this room today. If that's you today, and, and when you hear me say that, hear me say it, man, I, that's me. I, I need a miracle in my life. I need God to work on my life physically. I need God to change something, do something that so powerful that only He could get the credit for. If that's you, could you just let it be known by lifting your hand? Just give me a hand around. Come on, that's beautiful. That's awesome. You're praying for that a miracle. You're praying for a miracle. That's beautiful. While you have your hand raised, I want to go back to verse 29, and I want to read it over you. This is King Nebuchadnezzar, once was pagan, now turning his faith to the only living God. He says this, For no other God can save in this way. Your situation might look like it's a fire. Your situation might look like you're about to get burned up. But let me encourage you with this word today. No other God can save in this way. No other God can work a miracle like what you're about to see in your life. No other God can work, can change a situation like our God can. What I want to do is I want to pray over you. I'm going to pray that the Lord would see you, that the Lord would move in you, and that, that you would stand unashamed for His kingdom, for His glory, that He would work a miracle inside of you. Can we pray together, church? Lord, I'm believing for every person with their hand raised. Maybe somebody even watching online today that needs a miracle in their life. Lord, I pray that you would begin to work inside of them. That God, I don't know what their situation is. It could be a physical situation where they need healing in their body. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus as they stand unashamed, needing you to move. I pray that you would move in them. That you would change literally from the cells of their body, from the inside of their body, that you would work a miracle. God, as we stand unashamed for your glory, I pray for the marriages in this house. That it might be, hey man, this marriage can't be saved. But Lord, I pray that you would do it. That you would save something that only you could do, God. You would do, would do a miracle that only you could do. Well, I pray for the financial situation in this church. That as people stand strong and be faithful, God, to what you called us to do in your word. That you would provide, you would make a way there where there was no way. That you would open up a window, God, a window of heaven and pour out blessing in their life. Lord, I pray for the one that is depressed today, that feels like they can't get out of their pit, they can't get out of the furnace. Lord, I pray that you would call, let deep call unto deep today, that you would call them out, Jesus, that you would rescue them, rescue them from that fiery furnace. We believe and we claim victories today in this 20.